There are many paths in life, many roads to choose from, but only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have Him, you have all you need. There is no other way. Well, you'll remember that we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus introduced the way. He introduced a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of relating to God and to one another. The Sermon on the Mount describes kingdom life. What does it mean? What does it look like to be in His kingdom? We've gone through two of three chapters and now that we're in chapter 7, we're actually going to slow down a little bit. And we're going to look at it just phrase by phrase, and we're going to take our time. Because it's amazing the power of the words that we're going to look at over the next five or six weeks still to get through this Sermon on the Mount. This morning we find ourselves in chapter 7, and I want us to pick it up at verse 7. He has just, you'll remember last week, he has just spoken to us about how we, uh, how we want to avoid judgmentalism in the way of a holier than thou, I'm better than you, I'm an authority over you, and I condemn you kind of judgmentalism. However, in the same breath, he says, you need to take the hole out of your eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye and help him remove it. There is discernment. There is a form of biblical judgment where I can help you see that you're missing out on part of kingdom life and help you make that adjustment. And it is right after he talks about those very important issues that I think the context is important here that we, he puts within us the kind of that struggle. How do I make sure that I'm judging with the right motives? How do I make sure that mine is a biblical judgment intended to help someone and not a selfish judgment intended to hurt someone? How do I balance all of that? Well, he immediately says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open to you. I, I think the context is important. One of the, the challenges that we face when we break up the Sermon on the Mount like we're doing and we look at one or two verses at a time is we pull those one or two verses out and look at them by themselves and we miss the bigger picture. I, I, I think it's important that he, he moves from how we use discernment in helping one another. And then he says, but that, I know that's going to be tough, so what do you do? You ask. You pray for help. James says, let any of you who lacks wisdom, let him ask. 
And so I think, it's, I think it makes sense that as he moves into a teaching on prayer, that is right next to his teaching on helping one another with discernment. So I want us to look this morning at four things that are necessary for that kind of powerful prayer. We look, look at the way to powerful prayer, and he's going to show us four elements that are absolutely necessary for powerful prayer. He says in verse 7, Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And we see that the first element that is necessary for powerful praying is the one that many of us don't like the most, (laughs) obedience. Obedience is necessary for our prayer life to be powerful. And so he gives us three commands. And in English, it, it doesn't really make that big, it's not that, that noticeable or that big a deal. But when you form the Greek words, depending on how you, how you put the last few letters onto the word, you can tell exactly how the verb should be interpreted. And this one is what we call an imperative. It's a command. Jesus says, those of you who are now in the kingdom, you're learning how to interact with God and other people in a new way. You're you're a part of the kingdom. Here are your marching orders. Ask, seek, knock. One of the reasons that we learn to pray is it starts, the first level, the basic reason we learn to pray is because He told us to. It's an act of obedience. You say, why should I have to pray? Earlier he said, God knows what I need. Why should I have to pray? Because you're not praying to inform God. You're praying to involve God. You're not praying to tell him something he doesn't understand. You're praying to put yourself in the correct position in front of him, the right posture. Your prayer says, I recognize that I need you. Your prayer says, I know I'm not God, but I know you are. And so I'm coming to you, the source of all life, the source of everything I need. I pray as an act of obedience. It puts me in right relation to Him. Remember James chapter 5, the last part of verse 9. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus says, ask, and it'll be given to you. James says, if the reason you don't have is because you haven't been asking. Jesus goes on. He says, seek, and you'll find. To seek is to keep looking for his blessings. I think God does things in our lives all the time and we just don't notice because we're not looking for them. 
Seek and you'll find. Keep watching for the way he is answering and moving and blessing. And you'll start to see more of those. Keep looking, seeking for his will. So many times people say, how can I know God's will? Well, the first step is to start looking for it. Seek. Seek those blessings. Seek his will. Seek his purpose for your life. For that matter, seek him. I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that since God is great, God is God, since God is is so big, it's his job to show up for us. But you know, in scripture it says exactly the opposite. It's your job to look for him. You seek him. Jesus just said not long ago, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's a seeking of him and his ways and his purposes that I think often gets overlooked in our busy lives and busy culture. Psalm 34 and verse 4, the psalmist gives a beautiful testimony. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You see where it started? Seek. I sought the Lord. That's how I found him. He says, not only ask, then he he says to seek, and then he says, knock, and it'll be opened to you. When do you knock? When do you ring a doorbell? You knock, you ring a doorbell when you want entrance. You want to be welcomed into someone's home, someone's presence. The reason you knock is to say, I want to come in. Knock. And the door will be open to you. God is always willing to welcome you into his presence. If that's what you want. God never, God never tears down the door to your heart and forces his way into a relationship. But he is always available, ready, willing to welcome you into his presence if you decide that's what you want. God, can I come in? Can I get to know you more? Can I just spend time with you? Again, the psalmist said in Psalm 27 and verse 4, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Folks, I I think one of the reasons we don't pray more often is because we've got it in our head that praying is asking for stuff. And once I've asked for stuff, I've done the prayer, I move on with my life. And we completely miss the point that a huge part of prayer is knocking, God, can we spend some time together? 
I just want to be in your presence. This one thing I've asked, the one thing that I seek after, I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I just want to be with you. Sometimes, friends, sometimes the most powerful prayer is silence. Where we just enter into his presence and experience that relationship. But for us to enter into that presence, we have to want it. We have to knock. Ask for entrance. You see, if, if our prayer is going to be powerful, one of the elements that has to get it all started is obedience. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Many years ago, there was a strong woodcutter. He asked for a job with a small lumber company. The pay was really good. He was determined to do his best. So he showed up on the first day of work. The boss gave him an axe, showed him the area that he would work. And on that first day, that, that woodcutter chopped down 18 trees. Well, the boss was impressed. He said, good job. Congratulations. You just keep going. Come back tomorrow. You keep working for us. You clear this whole area. Motivated by the boss's words, the woodcutter tried harder the next day, but he could only bring down 15 trees. The third day he showed up and he gave it his all. He worked hard, but he only managed 10 trees. Day after day, he was chopping down fewer and fewer trees. He said, I must be losing my strength. Something's wrong. He went to the boss and apologized. He said, I don't know what's happening The first day I I did so good and every day it's getting worse and worse and I don't know what's wrong. The boss said, when was the last time you sharpened your axe? He said, sharpen? I haven't had any time to sharpen my axe. I've been too busy cutting down trees. Beloved, that's, that's you and me. Pray? I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy working, going to school, living, driving the kids, doing. Jesus says, stop, ask, seek, knock. It's an act of obedience because he knows we need that. Samuel Chadwick was a Methodist pastor in the early 1900s. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Ask, seek, knock. Another element that is necessary for powerful prayer is persistence. You know what persistence is. You're going to keep at it. You're not going to give up. You're going to keep at it. You remember I told you that in the Greek you can learn a lot about the verb by how they play with the letters at the end of it? 
Well, these three verbs, ask, seek, knock, not only are they commands, but they are present imperatives. In other words, he's not just saying ask, seek, knock. What he's actually saying, if we translate it directly, is keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. This is not a one-time thing. He would form the word differently if this was a one-time thing, like you tell your kids, sit down. You mean for the kid to sit down. This is an ongoing present. This says, sit down and keep sitting down. This is, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. There's a, there's a continuation in the process. We, we keep on because that shows that persistence that, that brings prayer into power. Prayer is not just throwing a, throw, throwing a few words heavenward on our way out the door. Prayer is also not asking for something one time and then expecting it to happen. Prayer is persistent. Some of you have been praying for that loved one who's gone off track. And you've been praying for that person for years. Some of you have been praying for that person for decades. This morning, I want to tell you that's how this works. Don't stop. Ask. Keep asking. Seek. Keep seeking. Knock. Keep knocking. In January 1982, Edmund Gravely died at the controls of his small plane that he was flying 15,000 feet in the air. He was in that plane with with his wife. It was just the two of them, a little small private plane. He died behind the the controls, and so she figured out that she had to do something, but she didn't know how to fly. She managed to keep the plane in the air for a couple of hours. During that time, she continually radioed for help. Several different air traffic controllers heard her screaming in the radio, Help! Help! Won't someone help me? My husband is unconscious and he's the pilot. Help me! But there was a serious problem keeping her from getting help. A problem that she didn't even understand or realize. Although the authorities could hear her calls on the radio, they weren't able to reach out to her by the radio because she kept changing the channels. Help me, click. Help me, click. And nobody could talk back. Nobody could give her help. The only good news of the story is that when the plane finally ran out of fuel, she was able to glide into a crash landing And though injured, she was able to crawl to a nearby farmhouse 
got the help she needed and survived. But as I thought about the story, I thought that's our lives as well. God, help me. Okay, I'm busy. I'm doing it. Oh, God, help me. And then we get busy. We're, We're changing channels so often. We miss on the whole point. You keep asking. Stay on that channel. Stay focused. Stay connected. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And by the way, friends, the power is in the seeking not the finding. You seek the Lord. You'll never reach the the point where you say, okay, now I know all I need to know and I'm completely, totally related to God in every possible way and my, my life with Him is complete. That doesn't happen until you see Him face to face in glory. While you're on this earth, you keep asking You keep seeking, you keep knocking. It requires persistence. In Luke chapter 11, we see this same verse, ask, seek, knock. And in Luke's account, he tells a story right before he makes this comment. Jesus tells a story that makes, gives us the context of this kind of teaching. In Luke 11 at verse 5, he has just taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. He just taught them the model prayer. Then he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me your, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up, give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he uh, he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that's a word that in this case means persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask. And it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find, knock, and it'll be open to you. The context is this story. You keep on asking the friend until you get what you need. Persistence. Many of you who've been around a while know my love for Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, prayer pulls the rope below And the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give but an occasional pluck at the rope. But he who wins with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. Persistence in prayer leads to power in prayer. The third element that, that is necessary for powerful prayer is dependence on God. Dependence on God. Verses 7 and 8 again. Ask, seek, knock. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To 
The one who knocks, it'll be open. Now, don't take this verse out of context and twist it into a misunderstanding of God like a genie in a bottle. You know the genie in the bottle? You rub the bottle, the genie comes out, you get three wishes. So many times we want to use this verse and it says, look, it says if I ask, you have to give it to me. No. What the verse is saying is don't expect to get anything if you haven't asked for it. Don't expect to find anything if you're not looking for it. Don't expect to experience his presence if you're not knocking and seeking it. So he says, but if you will ask, I'll be glad to give you. If you will seek, you'll begin to find if you'll if you'll knock, you'll realize that you've been welcomed into the presence. This prayer says, I know I need God. So I ask, I seek, I knock, because I don't have all this figured out. I need Him. Have you noticed the progression? starts by asking. Lisa, do you, do you know where the Oreos are? I don't want to go to the trouble to get out of my chair and go look for Oreos. It starts with asking. Then it goes to seeking. Now I got to go look. I look in the pantry. No Oreos. I look in the fridge. No Oreos. I start knocking. Lisa, help me understand. Why have we no Oreos? <laughs> have you looked in the mirror, John? You see, there's a progression. Ask. And you'll receive. But, but boy, if you really want to go deep, start seeking for his will, his purpose, himself. And you'll find. And then if you really want to get into this thing, knock. Request presence. Request to be in the presence of God Almighty. That progression demonstrates our dependence on him. We cannot without Him. But with Him, we can do all things. Don't you, don't you love that song we, we sing every once in a while and used to sing a lot when we were children? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Listen, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. In other words, we miss out on a lot of peace and we go through a lot of junk because we didn't depend on Him. 
One more element that Jesus teaches us that is absolutely necessary for powerful prayer. Obedience, persistence, dependence, and expectancy. Expectancy. Look at verse 9. Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? You got a little kid, your little kid's hungry, your little kid says, Dad, can I have, can I have some bread? You say, well, here's a rock, it looks like a biscuit, gnaw on that for a while. Dad, I'm hungry, can, can I have a fish sandwich? No, but here's a snake taco. Your kid needs something, you're going to do everything you can to help take care of your kids. You're going to provide. Give them what's best. Snake is not what's best. You give them the fish. A rock is not what's best. You give them bread. And then he says something very interesting. Once he sets the stage, he then says, if you then who are evil, you say, we're not evil. Oh, yeah, you are. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Get off your high horse. This is you. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to them that ask? You don't have to trick him. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to manipulate him. He wants to give you good things. And he'll do that. You can expect it. Not that you're in charge of him. He's not your genie. He's not your servant. But he knows the good things to give you. And he'll give you the good things when you learn to pray with obedience, persistence, dependence, and expectancy. 